Welcome to the Witty Committee. I'm Courtney. And I'm Claire. And this week we are reading the second book in Kate Bryan's private series, Invitation Only. And before I invite you to join us in talking about this book and throughout this episode, but um, I'm going to go ahead and ask Courtney what she's been up to uh, reading, watching, consuming outside the podcast this week. So I just finished reading The Couple Next Door by Shari Lapina. And I think, I swear to God, I feel like you've read this book before, but perhaps not based on your expression. Um, It's definitely one of those gone girl, woman in the window type. um, I read the books. I I feel like I've read like eight different books that probably are exactly the same book. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. They're exactly the same book. But this one, so the apartment building that I live in has a library system. Like there's a library in this building. And so I was looking through there a couple days ago and I saw that this book was in there and I was like, oh, this has always been the sort of thing that's on my TBR, even if this particular book isn't. Um, And so I picked it up and I read it in 24 hours. I'm impressed. Is it, was it good? (laughs) It wasn't bad. Like, it was very much, um, like, the twist at the end is like, oh, she's crazy. Um, But it was very, like, it was engaging and absorbing. And so I read it very quickly. And I was also, like, kind of on a book jag this past week. So I'm impressed. It felt in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's obviously fantastic. I just finished my annual rereading of the entirety of the Harry Potter series. Um, Congrats thanks uh you know can't say I always joke about this and I say isn't it so sad that JK Rowling died tragically in that solo train crash um before she could say anything stupid to like fault the entire universe that she created uh it was so tragic so you know yeah I totally remember when that happened or exactly. was J.K. Rowling um, a ghostwriter the entire time and d- is not real, doesn't exist? Exactly. This person who's now, uh, it's the Avril Lavigne died thing and now is being replaced the same thing. <laughs> but it's, um, but it's. Oh my God, wait, speaking of conspiracy <laughs> yes. theories, did you see that they've come out with a TV show called La Brea? Have, have you seen this? I saw a TikTok kid talking about how he was on the talking show. Talking about how he's in it? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I saw that same TikTok. So they came out with this TV show called La Brea, and it's about the La Brea tar pits and how, like, the earth opens up one day due to, like, some sort of earthquake or something. And there's an entire world under the world. And I fell into a TikTok conspiracy theory, like, pyramid. You know how there's, like, the iceberg of conspiracy theories of, like, which one's worst and which one's best? And apparently this whole idea that there's a secret world underneath our world is, like, deeply rooted in anti-Semitism. And so I was like, who greenlighted this? Let's just keep it rolling then. So yeah, La Brea, that's, those are my thoughts on that TV show. So great, congrats on Harry Potter. Thank you. Um, I am now rereading the like kind of, it's one of my guilty pleasure books called The Royal We. It's basically a fanfic of William and Kate, like the Cambridges relationship. Mm-hmm. It's kind, it's very cringy, but it's also very cute. So Highly recommend. And part of why I was inspired to read it, reread it, was based off of the book that, Invitation Only, the book that we read this week. Because, so there's a plot line in The Royal We where basically the um, William, Prince William character, plants fake um, news stories, like little like fake things about how like he has a third nipple or he's got like, 
you know, he's leaving, he's got a fear of elephants or something. They plant that with new people in their friend group to see if there'll be tabloid leaks. And that, there's a plotline in Invitation Only that reminded me of that. So we'll get there, but kind of how I got to where I'm going. But I would have to say that Invitation Only was riveting. I would like, but I, so twisty turny, I can't. I, so I was texting Claire as I was reading this book and my first reaction was that I really liked this book more than Private. Yes. And to be fair, I'm trying to give a little bit of credence to the fact that this book I read as like a paper physical book as opposed to previously, as I mentioned, I was listening to Private as an audiobook. So I think that that certainly influenced my reading experience. But I also will say that like Reed as a character develops a lot more very quickly in this book. Yes. With the exception of the fact that she has one glaring glaring character flaw that is more than i know that i get really nitpicky about our female protagonists for being too mary sue or being too boring or like being too obsessed with boys or whatever this was a genuinely bad character trait of reed's do you want me to say okay yeah so basically in the very beginning of this book reed is at a party, she's drinking, they're out in the woods, and she's introduced to this character named Wit. He's been gone for the first month of school because he's been traveling with his family in Asia. And Wit's two big characteristics are the fact that like he is obscenely like old school, old money rich. Like he is so fancy, he carries around like a handkerchief with his monogram on it that like he then gives to Reed while she's sick or something. And he is a big man. And I don't mean big like like he's described initially as like a linebacker football player. Like he's just tall, wide. He's a, a large man. Big boy. And yeah, and that is totally like he would be a bear. He would be like a dad bod to the extreme. He, you know but what? He could Reed, be a bear. Because that, that is part He of could the be question. a bear. But he is immediately like taken with Reed. And Reed is like, you're nice. But I find you physically repulsive. And she uses the word repulsive. Well, yeah, on a number of occasions. And she's just like so cruel. Like in her mental narration, she's so cruel to the way that she describes him. So there's a couple things I have, feelings I have surrounding Wit. And Wit is a big character in this book. Um, basically, yeah. the first night, the, the first scene of Invitation Only opens on... Uh, I guess another like party in the woods where people are getting drunk, which I guess is now a common occurrence. But while she's out there, Thomas is gone. Thomas is Reed's. If you if you don't remember from last episode, Thomas is Reed's on again, off again, drug dealer boyfriend who is absolutely manipulative and obsessed with her. And he's disappeared. We know that he's disappeared. Uh, but like, he still hasn't shown back up. It's the end of Parents Weekend. The passage of time in this book is very confusing for me as well because it starts in what I read to be, like, late September and it ends in Halloween, but very quickly. Like, it, the time in between passes, like, in the blink of an eye. So... Yeah, and we also do get confirmation that, like, she and Thomas all together were dating for less than a month. And I'm like, less than a month for him to be like, I'm in love with you, let's have sex. Yes. Felt very quick to me. Exactly. So there's that. But Reed is like dealing with a lot of weird emotions. All of the people at the, at this party in the woods are telling her that like, oh, I bet Thomas is just like on his family boat or like I bet he's partying in Manhattan and like all this stuff. Like he's fine. 
Pearson always does this. Ha ha ha. Uh, he'll be back in time for the legacy. Circle back to that later. And basically, Reed is still super confused. She doesn't know how to feel because he hasn't reached out to her. He also hasn't reached out to his roommate, Josh, who is a bigger character in this story, in this episode as well. But so Reed drinks for the first time and she is drinking a bunch of beer. She's about three beers in. Uh, and she makes a comment on drinking beer where she decided that, well, she started drinking beer because Noelle is drinking the beer, is drinking beer. So she wants to be like Noelle. Um, but she decided that beer is fine and refreshing as long as she doesn't let it touch her tongue as she chugs it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh, um, but just don't drink beer then. Just don't drink beer then. But by the time Wit, this guy, his name is Walt Whitaker. So, I don't know. But he goes by Wit. What do you want to bet that his middle name also starts with a W? And that he's like triple W? And then he's probably like Walt Whitaker III. So he's probably triple, triple W. Oh, of course. Yeah. No. But Walt shows up. And at this time, Reed is already like heavily intoxicated. And Noelle kind of is like, hey, Reed, I really want you to meet this guy, Walt. Or not Walt, Wit. It's going to confuse me, but he hates being called Walt. He likes being called Wit. I want you to meet this guy. Like, I think you guys would be really good friends and like introduces them. And this is where I have a little bit of a weird feeling with Reed's descriptions of Wit going forward. Wit and Reed go out into the woods together to talk. Wit is asking her all these questions about, do you travel? Like, he tells her about how he'd just gotten back from a family trip to China where they quote unquote lived in this village with these villagers. Um, and she asked, Oh, that's so cool. You spent the night. And he said, no, of course we spent the night in the hotel. Why would we spend the night in the village? Like, and, and Reed just, he like everything he says to her kind of makes her feel othered from this very extravagant lifestyle. And then like, like I said before, she's heavily intoxicated for the first time in her life. And wit like, starts making out with her and then like feeling her up. And the whole time they're making out, she's like, oh, this just makes me miss Thomas. I remember what it was like to kiss Thomas. I wish I was kissing Thomas. She thinks for a second there that she is kissing Thomas. And then like Wit like feels her up to the point of like grabbing her boob, like honking it like a horn, she says, which like is the funniest thing because that's men do that and they think it does something. And it doesn't. I've never <laughs> had a man honk my boob, or if oh. it has happened, I was so young that I've blocked it out of my memory. At whatever man is listening to this podcast, don't honk a woman's boob. Don't do it. It does nothing. It like anyway. What does it um, do for you, men? What does it do for you? I, you know, I don't know. But basically, uh, this is all happening, and when that happens, Reed's like, "Oh my god, what is going on?" And she shoves wit off of her, and is like, "I'm sorry, I can't do this." And then I think she vomits. Which she does vomit, and that's when Wit gives her his handkerchief, his handkerchief. that has monogram on it. And he's, he's not deterred. The rest by that. of this, he's. It's not that he's not deterred, but he is apologetic. And to I me, think that feels, the characterization that yeah. she has for him is the fact that like she thinks that he just like doesn't get social cues because like he must not have a lot of like genuinely good friends. And so she sort of like pities him a little bit. She doesn't view him as a Mm -hmm. predator, despite the fact that like certain behaviors that he then engages in throughout the book are like 
can very much lend themselves to being predatory. Yeah. But, but that's but not I think, how she reads it. Exactly. But I don't I don't think she would have been conditioned to read it that way. Um, especially oh, of course. With the way I'm not excusing it just her. because she doesn't think no, about it. No, no, no. It. Exactly. Yeah. But that's kind of why I feel like, in my mind, it wasn't... Not that I'm saying that I, I think that the way that she describes other people's bodies is ever at all fair. Because it's not. Reed has a horrible way of describing people. Um, but... What are you talking about? She thinks that her new roommate, Natasha, is hot like Tyra Banks. And I wanted to call this body out. makes her blush. I know. I wanted to call this out. Reed is gay. Reed, Reed is, is so gay. So, Reed is so gay. The whole time I highlighted things, I was like, oh my God. She talks about how other people's curves make her uncomfortable. And like, Natasha brushes up against her and her she blushed. And I was like, Reed's so, oh my God. <laughs> and like, hey, uh, canonically confirmed at least one black character. Exactly. Black and gay character. But we'll get there. Black gay Republican. <laughs> President of the... <laughs> so, so f- flash forward, we get to kind of peek into Reed's new life in the in Billings' house. She moved in with Natasha. Natasha's old roommate, Leanne, got kicked out the previous book for cheating. They had found crib sheets in her room. And... Natasha thinks that Noelle did it. Basically, Natasha is like very invested in finding that out. But Natasha is is um, Reed's new roommate. Also, Reed is now the uh, janitorial staff for the entirety of Billings House. It's their new, I guess, hazing. And this is like... It's like sanctioned hazing, too, where yeah. the house mom of Billings House is like, I see that you made everyone's beds, uh, but you didn't do mine. I would appreciate you extending me the same courtesy, Reed. Uh, and Reed is like, OK, so I have no safety net here. I basically have to do what everybody says. Exactly. And something that Courtney and I spoke about last episode that I definitely still had questions about going into this book was, is this a thing that happens every year to one person? Is this like just a read thing or do other girls have to do things to get into Billings house? And a couple of things in the this book, well, just one instance made me realize that it's maybe not a sophomore thing, but it, it made me think that there is like a bitch girl every year because um, in her first day making people's beds and cleaning, one of the girls is like, um, I, mean, I think I highlighted it because it made me realize that like, oh, I think other people have done this before. Um, because there's at least like a certain level of sympathy from at least one character to read. Exactly. Like she doesn't say you don't have to do this, but she does like give her a little bit of credit. And she's like, oh, I know you have other things that you're supposed to you're supposed to be doing. So like, I'll take this off your plate or something like that. Let me see if I highlighted yeah. it. Oh, okay. Well, first thing was, uh, I want to talk about, this is the first time uh, Reed talks about Natasha's body. She's, she says, I could feel all the soft curves of her body as she pressed it closer to mine. And it made me blush. As a woman of seriously boy-like proportions, I had no idea how she walked around with all that stuff. <laughs> gay. That's gay. That's so gay. Um, but anyway, basically, I was given the impression but uh, that other girls had been the bitch girl before. But... Natasha approaches Reed with a slideshow. And this slideshow is made up of pictures Natasha took of Reed making out with Walt while drunk in the woods. So not only is she making out with a boy after hours, there is alcohol in the image. And Natasha's like, hey, Rumi. 
now that you're the bitch girl and you have all this time on your hands, I need you to snoop in Taylor, Kieran, Ariana, and Noelle's room rooms to see if you can find evidential proof of their getting Leanne kicked out. Like, that they did it. She's like, I know they keep trophies. I know that they do this stuff for fun. I need you to find the proof so that I can go and I can confront them on it. If you don't do this for me, I'm going to send these pictures to the whole school and the deans and everything. And Reed is like, I just got into Billings house (laughs) and these girls are my quote unquote friends. And I think that this book is why I thought that I had friends in high school or why I thought that the people that I thought were my friends, with the exclusion of a couple of people, but mainly at my second high school, why I thought that those people were my friends because I thought that this was an okay thing to do to your friends because of books like this, where like making your friends do horrible shit for you. I was like, oh, it's normal. That's normal. It's not. See, and that's that's the whole point of this podcast is that like, yes, it's great to talk about these fashion moments, but it's all wrapped up together in like this aspirational light that we're casting on these relationships and these specific types of women where it's like between every single thing, with the wealth and the beauty and the power, we're then wrapping that up into this is an okay way to behave. This is an okay way to treat people because they have these other markers of social status. And that's, that's the point. That's the point of what we're doing here is basically being like, because Courtney and I like read this kind of stuff in our formative years. <laughs> and so the knowledge that this was not okay, at least for me, didn't come until much later. Uh, and also that like having these other things that go into... Um, like a character as a person, you know, whether you're beautiful and wealthy and smart and funny does not make up for the fact that you are mean to people and proximity to beauty, wealth, popularity does not make up for the fact that people can like people are mean to you. And yeah. So I think that it's good for us to like call it out as this disparity, because I think that this situation gets so romanticized, obviously in these books, in movies, movies and TV shows that you know, obvi- and I think that like nowadays the kind of, I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched the new Gossip Girl yet. I still, I just heard so many bad things about it. But anyway, we'll cover that another time. But basically, uh, Noelle and Ariana and Kieran and Taylor are still not very nice to read. And Natasha, her new roommate, who wanted to be friends, is apparently now also not nice to read. And so the only person that really is proving to be a bit of a reprieve in terms of girls in the first part of the book is Reed's old roommate, Constance. And Constance pulls Reed to sit next to her at the morning services. And this is a good thing for Constance to do because uh, they have a special guest at this morning service. And that special guest is the county sheriff who comes in and announces that they're going to be interviewing every student at Easton Easton Academy, every student, about Thomas Pearson's disappearance. Which, like, I... Every student? How many kids do you think are in this school? I believe Reed said that there are 500. That's a lot. That is a lot. I don't... I just don't understand what they think they're going to get from interviewing every student. 
I'm assuming that it's going to be like inconsistencies in stories that are then threads that they can pull. I don't think that they're looking for like every single student. I think they're looking for like the themes and the thought, like the three lines to then be like, oh, there's something more here. And so Reed is now panicking about what she's going to say because as she was unpacking her very few items in Billings house, she opens up one of her books that she never opened to study for the history test that she now doesn't need to study for and finds a letter typewritten from Thomas with a signature at the bottom, essentially saying, hey, sorry that I'm abandoning you, but I'm gonna go to a secret rehab. Don't try to follow me. Don't try to find me. Don't tell anyone where I went. My parents will never understand. And Reed then panics and hides this letter because she doesn't know what to do about this. She doesn't know, should I go tell the police about it? Should I tell Thomas's parents? Should I tell the girls? Who can I trust? The answer is no one. And she's also afraid that like, based on this letter, this essentially in her mind means that Thomas broke up with her and that the feelings of like perceived guilt that she has about making out with wit in the woods or whatever at this party are not necessarily warranted because Thomas broke up with her in a letter and God forbid she had just returned this book, never having opened it back to the library and then like somebody else found it. But uh, so Reed is now debating whether or not to say something. Ariana meets up with her in between like walking away from the chapel and being like, what do you think you're going to tell the police? You better have your story straight. Uh, and she just freaks out. Yeah. And now not only are people gossiping about Reed for, you know, be joining Billings House as a sophomore. Now they're all whispering and gossiping about the fact that, like, she might be involved in a missing persons case. Because up until then, everyone was like, oh, he's just partying. But now it's like, oh, the police are involved. It's serious. So Reed is freaking out for a number of reasons. She's being blackmailed by her roommate. Uh, she has to decide whether she's going to betray her new friends. She is physically exhausted from being a maid for everyone. She's got a boy who is very interested in her and she is not at all interested in him. And her, she might, like, this is just, the things on this She might be complicit back, in her crime. This yeah. poor girl. Like, it, it, I, and she's like, I don't have time to study and I can't focus on studying. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, and it's, so, I mean, so she's walking back to the dining hall or whatever, and Walt comes up to her and is like, hey, can we talk? Uh, I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable. Let's just be friends. And Reed thinks that this is sort of like the end of it. She's like, great, one fewer thing that I need to worry about. Yes. Um, but he does not really intend what he says. So well, Constance, her yeah. Mm-hmm. Constance, her roommate, has seen that Wit is there. She knows him because their families are friends, but she hasn't seen him in a few years. And she has always had a crush on him. And it like it was one of those things where like he was much older than she was. He was sort of like her knight in shining armor when they were younger. And she's like, I am like, I have I may have a boyfriend back home, but like I am so obsessed with him. I think that he is like the bee's knees. Reed doesn't see the appeal, but she's like, this is perfect. If I can get Constance to be with Wit, then like, I don't have to worry about entertaining him. And as much as Wit says, we can just be friends, his actions don't really match up with his no. words because the very next day at the dining hall, he's like, oh, hey, Reed, Fanny seeing you here. I was in town for dinner with my grandmother yesterday and I saw something that I thought would be perfect for you. So I got you a gift, you know, like platonic friends who've just met do. And he gives her diamond earrings. 
that were then appraised by Kieran for being like about five grand. And Reed was like, I cannot take these. And he's like, no, I insist. And so she's forced to take them very publicly. Yeah, again, he does this as like a public confrontation, which is so uncomfortable. Like, I totally see your thought process here where like the things that he's doing are like putting her on the spot. Yeah, and I think in a term of like, just like a fight or flight reflex, I imagine that her body, like her, you know, she's probably like, I have absolutely no clue what to do right now. Everyone around her is trying to tell her that everything's going to be okay and that, you know, she needs to hang out with Wit and that it's really good for her. Uh, So she accepts. Also, like, Reed does have a lot of envy for these, like, tokens of wealth these other girls have. So the diamond earrings, you know, the cashmere sweaters, all of that stuff. And being in Billings' house just makes it even more apparent to her that there are so many things that other girls have that she does not. So her winter coat is dingy, has a stain on it. She doesn't have these diamond earrings. So accepting the diamond earrings is like something she's, she wants to do, but she understands that it's crossing a line. And someone else who really feels like a line was crossed is Constance because Reed had said that she was going to put in a good word for Constance with wit. And she's like, it wasn't, Reed was like, it wasn't like that. I honestly didn't mean it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I I promise I'll still do that for you. And she does. She follows up on it. She, they, so I don't know if we mentioned this in the previous episode, but everyone at Easton Academy is required to do a sport in place of a PE requirement. So obviously we know Reed and Noel play soccer. I think Constance played field Field hockey. hockey. Field hockey. Yeah, she and Um, Kieran are on field hockey. With Kieran and Taylor also on field hockey. Um, And I think Josh plays soccer. I don't know what Wit sport Wit does, but he might just not have to do it because he's wealthy. Um, But basically, they're all going to get on their buses to go to an away game. And Wit comes to basically like see Reed off and is like, oh, have a good game. Um, And Reed is like, Wit, have you, do you remember my friend Constance? And like shoves Constance at him. And he's like, oh my gosh, Constance. And it's like, like, Wit seems like, I I have a hard time deciding how I feel about him because he seems like he would be like a quote unquote nice guy. And everyone says he's a nice guy. But he feels like the kind of nice guy who's like a nice guy until he gets behind closed doors with one girl. And then it's like, nice guy, like, girls don't like nice guys. I never understand. Like, they just don't. Yeah, we definitely see this trajectory throughout the next couple of events with Wit. But I mean, like, for example, to that point, like he asks Reed as she's going to her soccer game, hey, why aren't you wearing the earrings that I bought you? And she's like, "Uh, I'm going to go play soccer right now. I feel like that's not the right time to wear diamond earrings. He just sort of is like very publicly confrontational with her, even if he has like, quote unquote, good intentions. Right. But you said something that was very interesting about Reed's relationship with the rest of the Billings girls and the rest of the girls at Easton sort of in the sense that Like, even though she has this marker of being in Mm -hmm. because she is now in Billings House, she's still not in in (laughs) because there's this other thing that people are talking about that she is, like, getting laughed at every time she asks questions about it. And And that thing is legacy. The legacy. The, it's, I don't, it's interesting. Capital T, capital L, legacy. Exactly. Every time they talk about it, it's a capital L legacy. And everyone's like, Thomas is, Thomas is going to be back by legacy. For sure. 
you know Pearson's going to be at Legacy. And, and Reed's like, what is going on? I need to find out what this is because I need to know if my boyfriend's going to be there. Ex-boyfriend, whatever. Ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Important to denote. But uh, she keeps asking and keeps asking and no one tells her what it is until finally she's able to corner... Um, and, and she hears a couple girls in Billings talking about how Wit is, like, so desirable. And they're like, oh, I'm going to get him. Like, I'm going to bag Wit. Like, oh, no, I want to date him or whatever. And Reed's like, what is up with this guy? Like, I- she cannot understand what the appeal is. Yeah, she cannot understand that anyone could possibly be into him. I think it's more that, like, pe- like it's why is there such a fervor around this guy? And basically... What she finds out is that Legacy, like its name, is this party where you have to be a legacy of the schools to be invited. And you have to be like a third generation legacy to be invited. And if you, the more generations you are, the more likely you are to have a plus one. And one of the very few people with a plus one for this party is Walt Whitaker, which is why every girl wants to date him. And turns out... And it's out, also why... Yeah. It's why Noel has been trying so hard to get Reed to be with Walt... Or with Wit. Gosh. Um, because she wants Reed to be able to go to this party. But the thing is that Noel doesn't tell Reed, Hey, there's this party. It's called Legacy. It's going to be a huge to-do. We want you to go, but you can only get a plus one if you are this many generations involved in private schools. So we need you to hang out with this guy, Wit, because he is one of the only other people at Easton who's going to be able to have a plus one. She doesn't invite Reed into this plan, because why would she? She loves pulling puppet strings. And so by the time that Reed finally understands that this is why she needs to go. Walt has invited her to be his plus one to his 18th birthday party dinner where they're going to drive to Boston. This is something that I took great issue with, Claire, and I'll tell you why. Uh, this like a three hour drive. is close. It is a very far drive. Connecticut is not a big state. Don't get me wrong. When I lived in Connecticut, I lived equidistant from Manhattan, Boston, and Rhode Island. It's not a very big state. Um, but they, at this school, are close enough to a Metro North Railroad stop to take the Metro North into Manhattan, which means they are maybe as far as Waterbury. That's roughly around where they are. And Witt decides- well, so Eastern Connecticut is a place. Yeah, I'm just talking about like how out, how far out the, yeah. um, yes, yes. the train stop goes. Yes. So even if they were on the farthest stop on the train stop, that is over two hours drive to Boston where it would be under two hours to drive to New York. And Witt's whole mentality is like, we're going to drive to Boston to go to dinner because Because the restaurants in downtown Easton are no good. Exactly. And I'm like, then why not drive a shorter distance to New York City? Explain. Who who knows? But it's going to be Reed's first time. And this is something that irked me. It's going to be Reed's first time, like, in a big city. And... (laughs) The things that bug me is that, like, the way that this book is written is, like, there is no, like, intrastate travel at all. Or, like, Reed hasn't even gone to, like, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Like, which makes no sense to me. Because the fact that, like, you know, Croton might not be great, but I guarantee you that their, like, middle school classes take trips to Philadelphia to go to, like, Independence Hall. The Liberty Bell. 
Yeah. You know, exactly. You go to a city, like, even if it's not, like, the biggest city, the idea that in the early 2000s, even, like, that she has never left Croton, Pennsylvania, ever, there's no way. But this or is Or that her she first... didn't have to drive through one of these big cities right? to get to Easton from Pennsylvania. Like, you know how. Did her dad route it so work, that, right? like, they had to go around Manhattan? I guess. I, Sometimes I do do that, but I digress. It was no, very we do, frustrating. We go to around me. Manhattan too. You go up to the Tappan Zee Bridge to go over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was very frustrating to me. So Reed is like, oh, now I get it. So she goes on this date with Wit, and he was like, it'll just be the two of us, and maybe we can find somewhere on the drive back to be alone. And I was like, that's creepy as hell. And when they're at this restaurant, he's like, she doesn't get offered a menu by the wait staff because it's so old fashioned that the guy will order for the girl. Has anybody ever done this for you, Claire? No, no. A no. guy has never ordered for me. I will like ask him his opinion, but he will like, and maybe he'll say what I told him I wanted, but I, I've never been in a situation where I've not been handed a menu. Okay, well, so true, but you have to remember that like the only real date I ever went on was with my now husband, so. Wasn't it like to Chipotle where there is no menu? <laughs> no, our first ever date was to the Purple Unicorn, which is the only nice restaurant in Waterville, Maine. And they called it the Purple Unicorn? It's Waterville, Maine. So not a and lot not of options Mule? up there. Okay, lots of questions. Lots so, of questions. Sure, so maybe sort of like Easton. Um, yeah, so they, they go to Boston. Reed is like obstinate about them being in this patriarchal restaurant relationship. But then she finally sort of gives in because she it dawns on her that the reason why she's the person that Wit has invited to be with him for his birthday is because nobody else is really his friend. It's not like his actual friend. Everybody else just sort of is like, ah, it's that guy. And then goes and hangs out with their real friends. And so that's why he's always eating lunch with like the Dean. Um, so people sort of think that he's a nerd and he kind of is a nerd. And so she's like, I'm going to let him have a happy birthday. And so they like buy scratch off tickets and he lets her keep the winnings because a hundred dollars is not important to him. Um, and then eventually he drives her back to Easton and he kisses her and Constance sees it and she is heartbroken. But... But Walt Wit asks her to be his date to legacy. And so she's like... Uh, be a good friend, potentially see my boyfriend. Uh, I'm going to go try and see my boyfriend. Potentially go see my boyfriend and go with all the Billings girls. This is an issue that I really took with Reed's narration is that she immediately, as soon as she hears about the legacy, is like, I will want to go so that I can see Thomas. And I'm like, you're a liar. You know, you don't. You may also want to see Thomas, but your main motivation is to go to this fancy party with the girls you want to be friends with. Don't sit there and pretend this is about Thomas. She's like, I want to confront him about. She's convinced herself fully she's not a social climber. Like, she is like, I'm just here to like. She wants to confront her boyfriend. And I'm like, he dumped you and you can want to confront him. But like, don't pretend like this isn't about going to a fancy party because it is. And that's fine. I would say that most of it is not necessarily about like, Obviously, like, she wants to go to the party, but, and this is something that, like, is painfully relatable to me from Reed, at least to me as a high schooler and how I felt, is that Reed wants to be in. She wants to be part of the in crowd. She wants to know what it means to be in. She wants to fit in. She wants to have all of the, like, little coded luxury items that prove that she is part of it. And I think that that is why she wants to emulate Noelle so badly. 
um, and why she's so terrified of snooping on them. Not too terrified that she doesn't do it, though. She still does. And she discovers quite a lot about her new friends whilst snooping, wouldn't you say? I would say. And this does not bode well for Reed's, like, internal turmoil about who, like, with whom her allegiances lie. And so she first goes through Taylor and Kieran's room, because they share a room, and she finds A evidence of Kieran's eating disorder where like she has a box full of snacks and like a journal in which she writes down all of her sugar consumptions and like pictures of like whatever the opposite of thinspo is like triggering fat images and so she's like oh I guess even perfect beautiful girls have insecurities and then she finds pages upon pages upon pages of I am good enough written over and over and over again on Taylor's side of the room where she's like, oh my God, Taylor feels like she's not smart enough despite the fact that she's the smartest girl here. And Taylor almost catches her snooping in her room. And then Taylor asks her, hey, Reed, you're good at literature. Would you mind looking over my essay that I read or like that I wrote? And Reed like really lays it on thick with her being like, I'm sure that your essay is perfect. I'd be happy to read it. But like you are the smartest person just trying to like really butter her up in a way that I think feels genuine. It doesn't feel like it's Reed trying to cover up for her snooping. I feel like it's her being like, oh my God, these girls are insecure. And so now I need to like bolster them back up. And like Kieran gives her gifts on her birthday and all this sort of stuff. She finds naked pictures that Noelle has of Dash McCafferty. Of, of her boyfriend. Then, yeah, her boyfriend's the the fabulous Dash McCafferty. But then the piece de resistance is that in Ariana's closet, behind some shoes, is this trunk. And a trunk is a perfect place to hide shit, especially a trunk that has a false bottom. And in this false bottom of Ariana's trunk is a laptop. And Reed then needs to work on trying to figure out what the password is. And she goes and asks people if you were, like, trying to keep something secure, what would your password be? <laughs> like, very obvious. Which is so funny to me because, it, like, so she goes to the library and she's like, let me just ask anyone sit- sitting at this table, like, what you would make your password. And people are like, oh, I make mine a series of random numbers and letters. And, like, they just go through and they talk about what their passwords are for things. And I'm like, you guys, cybersecurity, don't just do this. But Kieran and Taylor. But so Reed even goes to like, yeah. Kieran and Taylor say. Kieran and Taylor give her some real hints. They say like, oh, we always use like titles for things. And she's like, that sounds like something that Ariana would do. Ariana's part of the literature, like the literary mag. Magazine. She would definitely use yeah. titles for things. And it basically then goes and like tries to hack into Ariana's computer and is successful by using the title of one of Ariana's own poems which i'm like wow vanity but as it turns so she finds inside this laptop text or i am evidence that noelle in fact did plot to frame leanne for this cheating thing but the reason behind this plot is because they wanted to get reed into billings house which meant that someone had to go and i guess that had to be leanne and so reed is now hit with this yet again moral compunction of like i snooped and they did something bad but they did it for me And so before she figures out what to do, she goes to the dining hall and asks Josh Harris, which, first of all, I could have sworn was the name of one of the boyfriends in the clique, but I digress. She goes and asks Josh after being confronted by the... Cam? No, Josh is Alicia... 
Alicia's, Alicia's boyfriend. boyfriend. And then Cam Harris? Is it Cam? Cam's Plus? brother Harris. Cam's, Cam's brother, brother Harris. Harris. Cam there Fisher. We go. Fisher hair. Yeah. Harris uh, Fisher. <laughs> so many. Yeah, Harris Fisher. So uh, Reed, after being confronted by the sheriff on her way to meet with Josh, asks Josh, if you saw someone cheating, what would you do? And Josh is immediately like, I would report it. We signed a contract and that's something that I agreed to do. And that's something that I believe in. Not disregarding the fact that his roommate is a drug dealer. And I'm pretty certain he didn't say, hey, my roommate was a drug dealer when the police asked him about his roommate. So like, did the contract not include don't be a drug dealer? I don't know. But so Wit overhears this conversation because he's always hovering. And he's like, oh, Josh, that's so naive of you to think that you would want to turn someone in. Like, that's just not the way that the world works. And if we're being realistic, like, Reed has to make a decision about, like, what will best serve her. And if something were to come out, it would probably reflect back on her worse. And being part of Billings House is more important than, like, doing the right thing. And this is the moment where Reed is like, I am disgusted by Wit. And I'm like, but he's unfortunately right. And mm-hmm. you listen to him anyway. You still do it. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of situations in which you know the right answer and you know what the right answer is, but you still want people to tell you that what you're doing is, is like, you you want to be reaffirmed. You want to be, you, and so you know that you're doing the wrong thing, but you also, do you get what I'm saying? Where it's like, you know what the right answer is, but you know you're not going to do that. Yes, and I just think that if, Josh, if the tables between Josh and Wit were flipped, and if Wit were the one being like, here's the moral high ground, I missed her, still here's a monogram yeah. handkerchief. She, I don't think that she would have been disgusted with Josh. I think she would have been yeah. like, Josh is giving me the green light, whereas Mr. I'm perfect, of course things can't reflect poorly on me, is would she, I don't think that she would, I think she would be just as frustrated with Wit regardless of his answer, because yeah. she's holding him to a different standard. And it's, that's the thing is that Wit's not wrong. And this is the issue with Leanne's or uh, Natasha's blackmail too, is that it's all about Reed because Reed is not going to get in trouble for drinking or for being in the woods or for making out with a guy because you Wit mean, has Wit is not going to get in trouble of generation. for any of that. Wit's Reed not going to get in trouble. Reed's going to get in trouble because Wit has all these generations of his grandmother being on the board of directors or whatever for this school. Like, it's not going to reflect poorly on him. It's all, yeah. And so Reed finally makes the decision. You know, she's gotten this invitation to Legacy. She has kind of talked it over and she makes the decision of what she's going to do. And she goes to tell Noelle and Ariana that Natasha asked which I don't know why she didn't just do this in the beginning because Noelle is like a bulldog. And so she goes and she's like, hey guys, Natasha's making me spy on you. I did it. (laughs) And I found stuff. But I didn't tell her what I found. (laughs) But I didn't tell her. Here's the CD that I burned of the incriminating information. (laughs) And Noelle's like, whatever, fine. Like, we'll talk about that later. Here, I got you a dress for Legacy. Are you ready? And Reed's like, wait, what? We just had this big revelation. What are you talking about? And they're like, I had to call in some, like, favors that... Kieran had to guess your size, but she's a genius. This is her savant, so she did it. Um, And then they all get ready, and then they go, and they take the Metro North and go to Legacy. And Legacy is hosted by the parents of some kid who goes to a different private school, which I think is kind of gross, but okay. Um, They've been hosting it for generations, apparently. 
Yeah, but Reed is in awe of New York City, of this apartment. It's just all of it is insane to her. And she's kind of looking for Thomas. She thinks that she sees him. But what she really sees is just like some random guy walking into a closed off like section of this apartment ballroom. And who she actually stumbles upon is Natasha and Leanne making out because they are lovers. It's nice to have representation. Um, I wish that the representation wasn't a highly manipulative character, but that's fine. Everyone is in this book. Um, to be fair, the only negative connotation that Reed has with this whole scenario is the fact that Natasha is a republic is the president is of republic. young Republicans, and that any young Republican would be proud to have this level of manipulation and duplicity. And she's not wrong, but basically, she was in homophobia. You know what? Great, yeah, she's fine with the because she's secretly gay, so whatever. Um, but. What she finds out, aside from learning about this, like, huge relationship thing, is that, well, A, Natasha's parents are proudly supportive of her being lesbian, which is awesome. She's like, I've been out since I was 14. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not hiding this They're from like, my political future. She's like, it'll add my parents, it'll give my parents some edge to be like, we're black and we've got a gay daughter, but we're still Republican. Yeah. And she's like, that's not about me. And Leanne's parents apparently are super homophobic. So it's about Leanne. That's the reason everything's kept quiet. And oh. the reason why Natasha is blackmailing Reed, because Noelle knows about Natasha and Leanne and Noelle made Natasha blackmail Reed in order to prove Reed's loyalty. And this is where it ties back to the fact that I was reading The Royal We because of this, because it it felt the same thing, except for the fact that like in The Royal We, the character that does the planting of the fake stories is the Prince of England. And this is not of that same level of like national security. Like you say some shit about the Prince of England that you're not supposed to say, like that's high level bad stuff. This is high school. <laughs> This is boarding school. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, the manipulation is wild. It's, so, Kieran does not have an eating disorder. She eats whatever she wants, and she says it's genetics, which is totally, I'm glad that she says that, because that's what happens with models. Most of those people, it's genetics. Second and you book. know for a fact that if she hadn't said that, then half of the book girls reading this would be like, well, I guess if I starve myself and keep pictures of fat people exactly. in a box, then I too can be an Abercrombie yeah, model. No, 100%. you can't. Yeah. And that's well, not bad. Like, it's fine. Or Abercrombie should rethink their model situation, which they have, both, which is great. Both are true. Both are so, true. So, um, and then Taylor's like, I thought it was so cute that you were so nice to me when you found my fake little list. Um, that was so nice of you. And then Ariana was like, so when Reed was looking for Ariana's passwords for that computer, Ariana, like, she went through Ariana's planner. And Ariana's planner was just, like, filled with doodles. And Ariana was like, I'm so sorry. My planner must have really confused you. And then Noelle was like, no, those photos of Dash were real. Aren't I lucky? <laughs> She's like, I have a sexy boyfriend with a big dick. And, and now everyone knows it. And I'm not mad. I don't think that Noelle would even be embarrassed if that She's got not, out. She'd be I like, don't, yeah. She'd and. be like, I'm great. Are you jealous? For me. I've got a huge dick boyfriend. Exactly. Like yeah. she, she's just so nonchalant about it. I think it's the funniest thing. And Reed is like, first of all, she's pissed. 
And then she's not all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh my God, you did this for me. And now we can all trust each other. And Does now she share the fact that she's got yeah. this secret note from, uh, what's his face? Thomas. Derek? Thomas? No. My mind immediately was like, what is the douchiest name you know? <laughs> okay, well, that's funny because I've got two family friends and they're twins and their names are Derek and Thomas. So, um, well, there you go. But anyway. Which one's douchier? Uh, another f- fun part of the party is uh, they get white presents. Which are Swag bags. All presents that are white. And then they trade them for presents they want. And so, like, Kieran gets a fur coat and, like, people get, like, purses and then... Reed trades a belt for a Tiffany ring. And and she's like, at the end of it, she realizes, despite having confided in them about the note that Thomas left for her, that she hadn't thought about Thomas the whole night once the Billings girls, like, revealed their plan. And then on the way back to the train, she finally has to confront Wit and is like, hey, dude, I'm just not that into you. I think you're a cool guy, but... And Wit's like, okay. Well, we can be friends. And then she's like, you know what? She literally says, I am not attracted to you. And he goes harsh, but fair. Yeah. And then she tries to set him up with Constance, which is a better match. And he, but the way that he was just like, okay. Like, I was like, good for you, man. Because a lot of guys in this situation would not have done that. And that is what solidified for me that he was like deep down. He may have like some missteps and some social cue mistakes, but he is an okay guy. He's taking this rejection poorly. He takes it in stride. The, the, so they're on the train home and Reed makes a connection with Josh, Josh Hollis. And I ship it, except and, for the fact that Reed is gay. Well, so, so one thing she said that I highlighted that I thought was hilarious um, is that this is when she's talking about her, they're on the train ride back from the party. She's like cuddling with him and he's, she said, I found myself staring directly into his green eyes. His kind, honest, nothing to hide blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he has one green eye and one blue eye? Is that what you're telling me? Does he? I what is well, that? Which is it? Uh, anyway. Maybe he's I'm... one of those white people whose eyes change color. I used to think that was me. And then I saw Caroline Calloway talk about it. And I was like, Mm-mm, I don't want to be anything like her. I've got green eyes, they don't change. Well, okay. So they're on the train back and they have to sneak back onto Easton campus. And they're so like, we got to make a run for it. And when they get back onto campus, they see every person is standing on the quad and they're like, oh shit. And they're looking for us. They found out that we're missing. In the like whole state is there. And they're like, well, wouldn't they call the cops if there was like 30 30 missing students? Yeah, exactly. And so they're like, oh my God, what happened? Should I read the last bit? Because I feel like I should. Go ahead. Okay. So. Also, the um, chapter titles of these. Did you read the chapter titles? So the second to last chapter. Well, so. The last chapter is titled. (laughs) So dead. (laughs) And here's the last. Um. Here's the last couple paragraphs. So. What the hell is going on? Dash said. Let's go. With that, Dash, Gage, Josh, and Whitaker, along with a few other guys, jogged ahead. The rest of us were rooted to the spot. There was only one word in my mind. 
Thomas, I whispered. I whirled around and looked at Noelle. Her skin was as white as the mist swirling all around her. She stared past me, unblinking. Do you think it's... Pounding footsteps interrupted my words. A hand fell on my shoulder. Instantly, every pore in my body filled with dread. Read, Josh said. His voice harsh and strained. Read. I turned around slowly. I didn't want to look at him. Didn't want to see on his face what I had already heard in his voice. He stood before me, panting. Anguished tears streamed down his face. It's Thomas. They found his body. He said, bracing his hands over his knees. Read. He's Thomas is dead. And that's it. That's the end of the, that's the, end of the that's book. That's the end of the book. And you know Thomas what? For our first, like, serious death in a book, it was something. It really was. And it opens up a lot more questions than it does answers. Oh, for sure. And Yeah. Um, like, do you so we talked a little bit about this note that thomas had left where he like breaks up with reed and he says i'm going to a rehab like don't tell anyone i'm going anywhere and it's typed but his signature is at the bottom which is a way of writing letters i understand but do you think he wrote that hard do you think it was planted i i do not think he wrote it and second of all when had she ever seen his signature before well, anyone, I, this is my uh, indictment against cursive is that just because you write something curvy does not mean that you mean it more. Doesn't mean any more sincerity. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm just like, how, why, why would she know what his signature looked like? She could know what his handwriting looked like, which is why it wasn't a handwritten note. Yeah. No way. Oh, very it. much so. Um. I mean, I think that you and I are in agreement about most things. Like, Reed's motivation for going to the party was basically not to see Thomas, no matter what she says. Shipping Reed and Josh, questionable because Reed is gay. Um, uh, one thing that I thought, but also weird, uncomfy, because of the fact that Josh definitely, and Reed mentions this, that Josh definitely knows that they had sex in their bedroom. Yeah. And they're sharing. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's personal, but... Um, uncomfy. One thing that I thought was an interesting note, not necessarily a question, was just the fact that, like, so we talk about these different social strata within Easton and this like private school universe where like Reed is definitely the have not, but then even amongst the haves, there is a different caste system where like Kieran, the most beautiful girl in school, an actual model, still needs to be invited as a plus one to legacy party, as does Dash McCafferty. Like they are not legacy enough to be able to get in. Um, which I thought was particularly interesting where like even Kieran as a Billings girl, et cetera, and like a full-fledged one in her own right still needs to be invited as a plus one. So yeah, and, that like, was interesting. I agree. I think that's very interesting. And I think that that's kind of a part of this whole situation is that you can't ever really make it until you decide you don't care. Like you will never fit in until you find people that you don't have to try to fit in with. Like, if you have to try to fit into something, it's not going to work. And also, if you get in these kind of situations like this where there's always a next level of, es- like, exclusivity, so you're always Absolutely. constantly uncomfortable. And that's what these situations keep you at. And I've, and I've been in this kind of situation where I was, you know, I wanted to get into a fancy high school. I got into the fancy high school. I got into the fancy high school. And then I needed to, like, get in with the fancy friends. And then it's, you know ups a step every time from there and then it's i'm i'm in with the fancy friends i need the clothes that everyone else has like it's constantly working so hard to pull yourself up to this level 
that is just, it's like discomfort when it's so easy to find, like homeos. If she had just stayed friends with Constance, none of this would have ever happened. I totally agree. And I think that this is, this is true of the Royal We book that you mentioned, yeah. how like the stakes, we're holding them to the same standards, but the stakes are so much different if it's like actual royalty who have an impact on international policy versus like just some rich kids in high school. And I think we saw it too in like um, Crazy Rich Asians where like there was a discrepancy between like the way that people are treated for like being landed gentry and like yeah. married into certain families with titles versus like just being the richest person in this country where there will always be someone richer than you. There will always be someone smarter than you who went to a better school, who owns more land, who does whatever. And I think that this is something that Reed is going to need to come to terms with very quickly in this series where she is aspiring to be like these most rich people who she can never make herself a third generation student here. It's just, that's not what she was born into. Um, but once she leaves Billings, she's going to need to realize that there are a hundred Billings and there are better Billings than Billings. Yeah, and also if you have the, the luck and the opportunity to get a tool set like Billings, like like a Billings, like someone gives you that, it doesn't make you better than everyone else per se, but it gives you a tool. And it's the same thing where like, it only is worthwhile if you use it correctly. So like Courtney and I were both part of an exclusive organization, a sorority. I would say a pretty good sorority. Does that make me feel like I'm better than everyone else? No. Does it help me realize that I have a tool in my toolbox for networking and for growing in like throughout the rest of my life? Yes. Do I know that if I'm in a new city, I could find an organization related to my sorority? Yeah. Like you have tools in your toolbox from these kind of situations that are very beneficial. They don't make you automatically better than everyone else and they don't guarantee you things in life. You have to use them to better yourself and you have to be comfortable Absolutely. using it. And I think that that's a big yeah. thing is like, especially also with like nepotism and like understanding that everyone around you is going to use their nepotism to the best advantage. So you should as well. And it's not being mean or bad or whatever. But if you don't have that tool, like skill set, do something else. Don't try to use that skill set. Like it's just and like I, I've done a lot of what Reed did. Like I did a lot of like trying to make myself seem like something I wasn't and it's not fun it does not like create genuine long-term friendships like it just is not a good way to act through life so like you get so much farther but to your point about yeah yeah no to your point about like using your nepotism though or like using the tools in your tool tool belt I think that one thing that I will give Reed some chit for is the fact that she then does try to like bring other people into that where like yeah. she doesn't try to exclude Constance for example she tries to bring her into like the conversations with wit etc so like part of privilege and that is like the whole concept of this series is should you be able to then use that privilege to bring other people up with you when you're given the opportunity? Like if it isn't handed to you, then maybe don't be as manipulative as Noel, but like use your privilege to bring other people into that opportunity. Yes. Uh, don't be Noel. Don't take that as the message, but like do use your privilege. Noel has her people. good things. She has good actions. She's very generous. Generous with Reed when she can be. She. Helps when she wants to be, she could be more generous. She could, but she like also, 
anytime. But the thing is, like, Reed doesn't go to her with things. And I feel like that's a big thing is that, like, Reed doesn't put herself out there vulnerability-wise for Noelle to help her. And the times that she has, Noelle has helped her. Like, when Reed's like, yeah, I don't know what to do about my parents coming to Parents Weekend, Noelle was like, I'll come with you. I'm great with helping people on phone calls. And she does. And, like, yeah. when Reed's like, you know, this, this Thomas situation, Noelle's super supportive before Thomas shows up and that gets weird. But, like, when whenever Reed is like, hey, and, like, obviously, like, Noelle's, like, also teases her. But if Reed were to have immediately gone to Noelle and been like, hey, Natasha's doing this weird thing. She wants me to blackmail. She'll be, like, blackmailing me. Noelle would have done something immediately, which would have just stopped Natasha. And like, and so that's what's weird to me is the, the fact that like, Noelle re- reminds me a lot of our friend Erica, who, and not in the mean ways, but in the good ways. And the like, if you go to Erica with a problem you need help with, there is no one who is not going to, like, she will be on your team and like doing the legwork for you. Even if it's something stupid, like, like one time I was late in returning something to Amazon and I was like nervous about it. And she called Amazon and got angry on my behalf for me. Like dumb things like that. That feels like what Noelle would do. And so that's why I'm like, yes, she has a ton of flaws. But I think a lot of it, the flaws are because Reed is so uncomfortable with herself. So hopefully that and I lessens. Think part of, absolutely. And we see the exact same thing with this whole note with Thomas thing. We're like, we don't know what happened to Thomas based on the events of this book yet, but who's to say that if Reed hadn't spoken up about the note that she got when she found it, that the events would not have been different. And Reed, why does Reed not, why is Reed not honest? Be honest. We, you know, you didn't kill Thomas. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know he's dead. So she could have said something before and he might not be dead. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense, which obviously it doesn't. But, like, to be fair, I also was a stupid 15-year-old before, so. So was I. Was I this stupid? I'm mostly yelling at my 15-year-old. I don't know. I don't know if when I was 15, if I had been put in this situation, I would not be similarly stupid. I can't say that. All I can say is if there is a 15-year-old listening to this, don't be stupid. If there's a 15-year-old listening to this, hang out with people who want to hang out with you. It is not embarrassing. It is. There's no such thing as cool and uncool. That's bullshit. Okay. Um, living within your means is, that's cool. Don't make your parents buy you shit they can't afford. That is not cool. It's cool to live within your means. But that's the only thing that can be cool. Cool and uncool doesn't exist. Also, really think about it before you decide to uh, lose your virginity if you're 15. Just, Just really think about it. And contraceptives. Only from an STI, only exactly. from an STI pregnancy perspective, not from any sort of like virginity no. is real concept. Exactly. It's not. I just mean in terms of like taking care of yourself. Um, care and keeping of you from American Girl. Exactly. Uh, anything else we want to tell 15 This has been a lot of diatribes. I think that all I want to talk about now are your fashion moments, Claire. Okay. Um, my fashion moment is going to be actually Reed's description of the things that she liked about Billings House. Okay. Technically Interesting. Interior Some interior design. design. Yeah, we, we have, have done those. that in the past. Um, let me pull it up. Because, or or the, the joke, Reed makes a very awkward joke about Vera Wang at one point that might be a fashion moment, but is just mainly uncomfortable. So Reed's, 
Number one. So I'm going to, I'm just going to read this. So at some point I had appreciated the beautiful touches of Billings, the gleaming woodwork, the thick carpeting, the bronze wall sconces, the French windows at either end of the hallway. Um, and then she also describes the difference in her room, which I think is also something we can talk about here. Let me pull it up. It was at least, so this is describing her new room. It was at least three times bigger than my old room in Bradwell with a huge arched window overlooking the quad. My desk was immense with a built-in bulletin board and study lamp and the double dresser near the wall actually dwarfed the smallish bed. It was only half full and completely devoid of pictures, jewelry, boxes, and knickknacks, unlike every other dresser in this place, which by the way, were that much more difficult to dust and polish. Yes, my side of the room was pathetically bare compared to Natasha's, which was replete with posters hung at exact right angles, perfectly organized books and papers, and clear plastic tackle style box keeping each piece of her incredibly expensive jewelry separate from all the others. So she's got a very fancy room and a very nice dorm in Billings. What was your fashion moment of the book? So I'm actually very interested in the fact that you chose to describe Billings as your fashion moment because there were two pretty important fashion moments in this book. Um, The one that I chose, I was debating between the outfits everyone wore to Legacy Party versus the outfit that Reed wears to Wit's birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. And I thought you were going to pick a Legacy Party outfit, so I chose to go with the birthday dinner outfit. Interesting. See, the uh, legacy party outfits were nice. Also, Reed's dress was a was a favor from Narciso Rodriguez. I remembered, so just in case you're wondering, but they don't have a, enough like oomph describing them. So Fair. that was kind of not really it for me. But, yeah. So the the oomph factor, I think, does come in with the birthday party out or the birthday dinner outfit. So she wears a sophisticated Calvin Klein black halter style dress that hit just above the knee with slim straps encircling her neck and accentuating her shoulders, which had been dusted with bronzer for a sexy glow. It was topped by a gold brocade jacket, vintage Chanel, and the diamond earrings Whitaker had bought her. Kieran had insisted she wear her hair up gathering her brown locks in a sophisticated, loose and sexy bun. One pair of strappy black Manolo Blahniks and the look was complete. Classic. It's But Elegant. that's the most description we get of an outfit, which I like am very appreciative of. This is true. Obviously. Yeah, we're grateful for it. Um, so, you know, hoping more of those continue. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Speaking of hope, Claire, tell me about your State of the Union this week. I'd be happy to, Courtney. So my State of the Union for this week, um, in for this week is temperance. <laughs> um, I went to okay. um, a good friend's wedding over the weekend. It's actually funny. Happy wedding, Susanna. Yeah. Susanna and George, congrats, guys. I mean, it's funny because Suze teaches at a boarding school in Massachusetts, um, and a lot of the people there were like... You should have asked her for some tea. Well, so there were a lot of people there were like boarding school people and a lot of the, like, there was part of the vows because I guess one of the guys, Suze went to boarding school and like George went to, like, anyway, there was a lot of like boarding school talk and I was like, oh my God, I should get information for my tic- for my uh, podcast. But alas, but I um, don't really drink during the week, like at all anymore. And um, I had a lot to drink at this wedding. Uh, like a lot, a lot. And yeah, so my end for this week is going to be temperance and um, not drinking for a while. <laughs> um, and then my out, I guess, would have to be, it is still partially my upstairs neighbor who is still very loud, 
But mainly, um, hangovers is my out. Because, but I did take Courtney's advice yesterday. Courtney always says you have to feed a hangover. Um, mm, that's my mom's advice, and it's so true. It's so true. So I ate whatever my hangover asked, which was smart. Uh, but it was also now I'm very tired. Just like my body's like on top of the hangover, you made me digest all this food, and now you're exhausted. So just guys, hey, you know, maybe don't. Maybe post-25 shots, not a great idea. Or at least, like, water. Or at least, like, bacon. Yeah, water and also, like, bacon. Have some food in there, too. And let's assume that you need two Eat dinner at weddings, because I never do, and it's always a horrible choice. That is a horrible choice. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, learn from my mistakes. Courtney, what's your State of the Union for this week? So, so many things are in for me this week. This has been a really great week for Courtney. I'm feeling Yay. very excited. Uh, reading, like I mentioned before. I have my first comedy show on Thursday, which is so exciting. Like, not just an open mic thing. Like, no, someone is asking me to go do you're stuff. You're in it, slash on it, whatever. I'm going right. to be in it or on it, depending on who you ask. Um, my best friend from high school just got engaged. That is so, I, she FaceTimed me and I cried. It was so, and I knew it was coming and yet I still cried. Obviously. So just, there were so many great things that happened this week. I'm so excited. Um, I guess my in for the week is just being excited. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, beating seasonal depression, one exciting event at a time. And then my out for this week is purchases that beget other purchases. Um, so I am the recipient of a new smart TV, but my TV is currently on the ground because I need to get a TV console. So it's frustrating when you like buy something, but that thing needs another thing. It's yeah. like, I just bought something. Or hobbies yeah, that need things. Like, can't yeah. I have a hobby that needs no things? Especially if your hobby is like online shopping. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, you know, I wish that that wasn't a hobby. Um, I've gotten better. But no, David and I recently started hiking a lot to the point where, like, I realize now I need hiking boots, which I don't want to buy because they're all ugly. So if anyone has any recommendations for non-ugly hiking boots, you can find us at Witty Committee Pod on Instagram, at Witty Pod on Twitter, at the Witty Committee or at what's our TikTok again? The Witty Committee on TikTok thewittycommittee.com or you could email us those hiking recommendations at wittycommittee at gmail.com i need them um if you're listening on apple Podcasts, make sure you're rate reviewing and subscribing we really really appreciate it when you guys do uh i think that this season is really when we can say that we hope you join us next week as we read let me pull it up because i have untouchable, it untouchable book three untouchable and continue to judge the mean girl right back one book at a time. Bye.